Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. I am Rachel. And I'm Nathan. How's it going, everyone? So... This is a very special Christmas edition of the Playing Hooky podcast. Nathan, tell the folks at home what movies we watch. Well, first of all, okay, I'm going to explain something for sure. everyone listening. Sure, do it. Um, we this is kind of like our experimental episode, okay? Because we're recording a podcast mm-hmm. and we have a video camera, it's so true. we're trying to record it as well. Yep. So, you know, we've had to get through all the weird technical things. You know, we are confined for space. Mm-hmm. We're confined for lighting. So, hey, who knows? It might be a real great episode. Yeah. Or it might be a real funky one. You had a hair on your face. That's I appreciate you grooming me. That's how looking that's, out for you. that's what primates do when they so, love each other. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for, for listening, for watching, whatever it is that you're doing that you're consuming this with. Yeah. Um, but... We decided to watch some Christmas movies. Absolutely. I, I don't know. We didn't talk too much about the movie that you chose, which was Love Actually. And just to be fair, for those of you who listened to the last podcast, I did give him a choice. And and, and I gave him a choice of two movies. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say uh, neither of these are my favorite Christmas movie, but I was relatively certain that you hadn't seen them. There's a nightmare before Christmas and Love Actually. Right. And the reason why I chose Love Actually is because I have seen uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And I've seen it more than once. Right. So have I. Right. So I'm pretty familiar with it. So there's there's not going to be any great revelation there. Right. And the whole spirit of the podcast is to expose each other to things that we'd never seen before, right? Which right. we kind or, of... Or like, you know, we've never seen or never experienced or or have like a very um, poor understanding of, you know, we, we sort of don't really... Right. We never watched the whole thing or, mm-hmm. or, you know, we just never watched it with open eyes. Right. And so the reason I chose those two movies, even though they're not my favorite Christmas movies, which my favorite Christmas movies are um, The the Muppet Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm. and then um, the very old black and white Christmas Carol, which I can't remember what year that came out, but it's like the version that came out in the 1950s and it's in black and white. Those are my favorite two Christmas movies. I really like The Christmas Mm -hmm. Carol, as it turns out. But I also really, really like The Nightmare Before Christmas because... Um, Halloween is my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. And as a kid who was a little bit rebellious and like trying to be spooky, that was like such a fun movie. I mean, it's a, it's a culturally relevant piece of, of film. Um, I, I won't say like, I like it or dislike it. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a musical. Right. That's, (laughs) that's the problem. Like I've watched it, I've seen it, but like, it's very hard for me to get into it because of the musical aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was just the movie. Maybe I'd enjoy it, but it wouldn't be the same thing then. But anyways, I've already concluded my feelings about it. You know, Tim Burton style. Right. I'm I'm very familiar with it. Right. Love Actually, though, I never even heard of. I didn't know it was a Christmas movie. Yeah. I never had no understanding of it. So I'll get into this more if you want to talk about it. Um, But Mm -hmm. the reason why Love Actually was one of the movies I chose is because it is a Christmas movie. I knew you probably had never seen it. No. And the first time I saw it... I actually really, really liked it, and it was kind of emotional for me. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you that story in just a minute. But okay. before we get there, the other movie we watched, the one that you picked out, which this was a no-brainer, was Die Hard. Right. 
And I had only seen Die Hard one time before, <laughs> and it was when we very first started dating. I that's all ne- that needs to be said about and that. And I have never, <laughs> I've never seen it before. And it was one of those instances where, like, let's just say we very first started dating, and we've liked each other a lot. And um, there, there may have been a movie on that we didn't really pay much attention to because of reasons. Yeah. It was The Wrath of Khan. I've seen it hundreds of times and you had seen it before. And then like when we were more able to focus our attention on a movie, um, you were like, you've never seen Die Hard? And I'm like, I've never seen Die Hard. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, first time I watched it was in July. So not a Christmassy time of year. Right. But I, I really liked it. And it's the only time I've seen it. So we needed to revisit it because you've seen it hundreds of times. And yeah. there was a bunch I didn't appreciate in the first time I saw it. Because it was the first viewing and I was also distracted because I was sitting next to a really cute boy. So Die so. Hard is one of those things that it's uh, it's a movie that the the Christmas film aspect of it is kind of up for debate. I don't think so. I think the internet's decided it is a Christmas movie. I think that there's other people that go, no, it's not. But anyways, it's it's one of those things. It's it's hotly contested, right? right. It's it's an internet thing to to go. Oh, it's a Christmas movie. Oh, it's not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I came by the the idea of it being a Christmas movie independently, or you know, if I read something somewhere. But anyways, Die Hard has been one of my favorite movies since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best action movies ever made. Yeah. Um, and it's just a good movie. I, I mean, it totally holds up. It came out in 88. So it's 2018. So it's what, 30 years old? Oh yeah. God. That movie's 30, 30 years, years old, old. And it holds up Die really Hard's well. 30 years old. It's, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a great action movie. Um, you know, Bruce Willis is hilarious, but also like just it's just it's a good movie overall. I'd say a great, great mm-hmm. movie, like head to toe. And what is it an action movie that happens to take place during Christmas or is it a Christmas movie that happens to be an action movie? Mm. I think it's an action movie that happens to take place during Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. But I would argue that that movie and that story wouldn't be the same if it took place on another holiday. Right. Like New Year's Eve. If it were taking place on New Year- New Year's Eve, different different feel different feel for the movie right yeah there's like a uh, a theme throughout that's it's important that it's christmas time right? yeah it is it is a focus on it now to be fair you probably could replace party with anything else but there are there's like visual elements and there's like certain things uh happening in the theme of the film that mm-hmm. like the christmas spirit and you know th- things of that nature so there are elements mm-hmm. to die hard that that you know, cling to the concept of it being a Christmas movie, but I feel like you could really replace it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, how, do, how would you how would you propose to do that? So as someone who could write a thesis on Die Hard, you've seen it so many times. What would you replace Christmas with then? Um, I would probably just make Die Hard three. Okay, <laughs> which I've not seen <laughs> because Die Hard three. So yeah, th- that's a whole other rabbit hole. Die Hard two is kind of like. It's Die Hard in an airport on Christmas the year after, mm-hmm. and um, I, it's not. It's not. Uh, I'm just trying to get you to <laughs> lean forward okay. so you stay in frame. It's it's not a. Uh, it's not a. It's not my favorite movie. Okay. It's not really. I mean, it's not terrible, but really, like of the the first three Die Hard movies, it's the weakest. Okay. The third one is good, and I feel like it's as good as the first one. Okay. But it's. You know, it takes place during the summer, all through New York City. Mm. You know, it's uh, after the third one, I could pretty much live without any other Die Hard movies. I think they're all progressively shittier. Okay. Um, 
Let me ask you a question. Yeah. I have two questions. One, first question. Uh, are there any consistent characters besides John McClane in these movies? Yeah, the um, uh, Sergeant Al Powell is in the okay. second one. So so Carl Winslow. Yeah, Okay. Carl Winslow. <laughs> How not, I grew up knowing his, him. It's not his actor's actual What was it, name. Bill Johnson? Yeah. Something uh, Bill Johnson? Uh, fucking... Uh, Mr. Bill Johnson, we'll yeah, call him. Yeah. Also Carl Winslow, um, The Steve Urkel was his foil. Yeah, it's, it's weird that he's played like very specific like jovial heavy set cop roles mm-hmm. and I, I i don't know this for sure because i didn't do any research before we did this podcast but i don't even think those are the only two times he's played i think you're right that role I like that right. type of role i think he's he's kind of known for that it's a really odd niche okay um but uh reginald val johnson reginald val johnson yeah um God so bless he, you, sir. he is in the second one uh-huh and then um i believe those are the only two remaining characters uh his wife and the reporter are oh, in the second the one. Oh, the douchey reporter. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's some people that that remain, and it, it's weird. The his wife and the reporter are kind of like shoehorned into a, a, a like roles in the film. Mm-hmm. They're not really important. They don't they don't seem to naturally occur like they did in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the third movie. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure John McClane is the only remaining character. Okay. They reference his wife, but she's never shown right. in the movie at all. Um, but the the remaining cast, uh, and the third one, um, Jeremy Irons okay. plays um, Hans Gruber's brother, his Ooh, older brother. Ooh, nice. Um, and, uh, Another British actor with a fantastic voice. I feel like it was an appropriate replacement I don't think anybody can really truly replace what Alan Rickman did right. in Die Hard and I think you know had he been asked he probably would have said like that's that's one of the roles he's going to be known for for his entire life because it's just so mm-hmm. he he plays that character so coolly mm-hmm. so well yeah but yeah I think uh I think Bruce Willis is the only character that remains um into the third movie okay Thank you. Informative. Second question. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me set this up. You know how like sometimes you're driving down the street and there will be like <laughs> yeah. a gas station <laughs> on one corner and then like a gas station on the exact opposite corner and mm-hmm. they're kind of competing with each other. Yeah. Are Die Hard and Lethal Weapon like competing gas stations of the late 80s and early 90s? Because uh, until I saw Die Hard, uh-huh. I kind of just like interchanged them in my mind. Like I knew one was Mel Gibson and one was Bruce Willis, but I never really cared. Are they kind of similar? So, um, because they're kind of cop stories, right? Kind of. I don't really think that they, I don't think that they're competing. Um, I think that they sort of um, satisfy similar concepts, but I think that they sort of stand on their own. Um, I think that, that Die Hard um, was less buddy cop movie. Right. And, and um, Lethal Weapon and like um, Beverly Hills Cop. I think that those are probably a little bit closer in competition. Okay. But I don't think, I don't think they were like really competing per se. Okay. But um, the Lethal Weapon films were very much like, Buddy cop, like, okay, th- and that was like a big thing in the eighties, right? Yeah, and cop, Die Hard cops were a big thing in the eighties, yeah, which is weird. It's like Beverly Hills Cop, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, uh, RoboCop. I'm sure there are others I'm forgetting. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I think it probably has something to do with 
Ronald Reagan's presidency. It, yeah, there must be like a it's, it's, there's like someone out there that's written their like sociology PhD dissertation yeah. on this. I'm sure. Yeah, because it's very much a time of a sign of the times where cops were sort of being celebrated in a way that yeah. they haven't really been since. Um, but it, so like getting into the movie a little bit more, there was one thing that I picked up this time that I didn't last time. So back to um, Sergeant Powell, who's mm-hmm. Reginald Vell Johnson's character and um, John McClane at the point where John McClane is sort of like tied up, not act, literally, but he's kind of held up in this vi- uh, um, in like the, the roof of the um, of the building. Mm-hmm. Um and he's talking on the walkie talkie and they're kind of trying to raise his spirits. And so Sergeant Powell's chatting with him and he's like, Hey, you know, man, why did you become a desk cop? Because it's revealed earlier in the movie yeah. um, by, you know, Reginald Vell Johnson's like, character. Well, you yeah. You got flat feet. Like, why are you riding a desk? You know? Um, Cause you know, they've, they're getting to know each other. Yeah. And he asks him like, Oh, you know, why are you doing that? And, uh, he, he, you know, he does a great job acting, you know, um, being really upset and very like, it's kind of a touching scene for an action movie, but, um, Sergeant Powell kind of says like, I shot a kid accidentally, mm-hmm. you know, it was a 13 year old kid. He was running down an alleyway. It was dark. Um, the gun looked real and I shot him and he k- killed him and I could never draw my weapon on someone ever again. All and right. there's kind of like, you know, like the sad violin music and John McClane's like, oh man, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, you couldn't have known like when mm-hmm. you asked. Um, and then that comes back at the end of the movie where Sergeant Powell actually saves John McClane and his wife from like the hand coming out of the grave terrorist yeah, who's going to yeah. shoot him with a machine gun and Sergeant Powell's there like draws his weapon and shoots the guy and like saves the day and it's kind of like I like that because it, the movie could have just been all about John McClane but I feel like whoever wrote the movie did a really good job developing other characters like probably like Hans Gruber Sergeant Powell and John McClane are like the biggest characters um, that I think were really well done everybody else is kind of just you know on the periphery they're mm-hmm. like you know the, the the side dishes right but those those three really are the meat of the story yeah. but anyway kind of back to my original point I think it's really interesting that um, Sergeant Powell tells that story because like, as we know in the media today, that's something that police are plagued with over and over again is, you know, police brutality and, you know, African-American men being shot and at a higher rate, you know, than anyone else. And mm-hmm. I think that the only way you could still have a character like that and have that line and have that story be part of the, the, the movie um, is if the cop in question was African-American, you know, um, I, I thought that was really interesting because if you were to like remake that movie today and Sergeant Powell was played by a white cop, it would change the whole tone of the movie just because yeah. of Black Lives Matter. And I, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. These are very good movements. No, no, and, I, but, I, but I think it's really interesting that even 30 years ago, I, yeah. we were still trying to address those things in popular culture. I think it was pretty um, – I, th- I, I think that there was um, some observation going on at the time when that movie was made mm-hmm. because – um, the white cops in the movie, um, yeah. and, and, and we'll get to, we'll get to, I think that there's a thematic change in like police movies, mm-hmm. but the white cops in that movie are, are fucking morons. Oh yeah. Like, like, like they're all, let's, let's they're all like fucking be, morons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they made Sergeant Powell, who's African American, the only smart cop in the movie, right, right. which is great. Yeah, he's he's the smartest cop and he's like the least cop of them all, right? Yeah. Right? Like um you know, they kind of show him at the beginning mm-hmm. and he's he's like 
kind of not respected by the guy behind the counter mm-hmm. with the little donut crack and yeah. you know the the um uh, the security guard, the fake security right, guard right. at the towers, like yeah, whatever. I'm not paying attention right. to. I'm not and taking you seriously. All the, all the, all the, the, all the bad guys, for lack of a better term, um, they kind of don't give him a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up being like the one advocate for like every time we, the audience, go, mm-hmm. oh, this is a bad idea. He's verbalizing it. Throughout right. The film. He really is the voice of the audience. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, so I think that that that's interesting, and I think that. Um, one thing that I noticed too, this movie came out in 88 and um, like this is before the whole Rodney King thing. Yeah. And, and I think like this is kind of like the last era of like cops kind of being heroes mm. in the same sense that they were beforehand. Right. You know, like after this you have like bad boys and you have like a whole different, like it's, there's a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even like the the Lethal Weapon films, like they start to change, but um, I think these movies like for, for, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just buying into it or reading into it too much, but like movies like this, um, you know, your lethal weapons, your diehards and even diehard three, like, mm-hmm. and go like, they seem to be much more multicultural mm-hmm. than like what our actual world is. It was like, they were trying to portray, yeah. um, like a, greater sense of equality than what actually existed. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. And did they do it perfectly? Absolutely not. No, it was the no, 80s. They're right. still not going to do it perfectly. I mean, look, fucking look at like all the past couple of years, the Oscars and the big movement and all that. But I think there seemed to be an effort. And I think I'm guessing because mm-hmm. I was all of four years old at the time. And I'm, I'm not, <laughs> right. not going to profess to be the most woke person in the world. But what I will say is that I think, you know, probably Hollywood was trying to start whoever wrote this this movie was trying to start addressing like the whole like hey you know there's not enough diversity on the police force probably and hey like kids are getting shot and that's i mean like that's something that white people living in the suburbs or in the cities just didn't didn't know was going on because they didn't experience it but i'm sure um every african-american could Mm -hmm. probably tell you that you know they've you know, seen police brutality or they know someone who's been affected by it. And so I think like this movie, it was like, I was kind of like a breath of fresh air, right? Like I think that's one of the reasons why it still holds up today is because it's still kind of relevant. Like, and um, it's, it's nice to see, even though it is just like a silly action movie, um, that, you know, takes place during Christmas. It is kind of nice to see these, these real life things be addressed because that's what is, makes it so engaging still. Right. Um, so, so here's, oh, a, here's an interesting bit of trivia. Did yeah. you know that originally, um, the role of John McClane, um, was intended for Frank Sinatra? Wow, what a terrible idea that would have been. Yeah, so um, so so you guys can feel free to look this up. I'm not going to go into it overly long because it's just like an interesting little piece of trivia. But um, Die Hard was adapted from a story um, uh, previously that had uh, was uh, was a was a series of books about a, a detective, a police detective. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite the same, but anyways, um, Frank Sinatra had starred in a movie mm-hmm. about this character many years before. And okay. part of his contract was he got first offering mm-hmm. if they ever made another movie right. about it. And um, by the time that they made this, I think he was like in his sixties. Yeah, he wasn't. Didn't look like a young man. Yeah. So so Frank Sinatra passed. 
Yeah, um, that's but, good. Yeah, but it's good. Uh, he passed. Yeah, look into it because there's more information about it. Like I said, I, I don't know all the details. I'm not going to go really long. It's not really part of like our podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing that you said too about like the diversity of this film, mm-hmm. you had like made a comment about like um, the character Theo. Um, who was like the computer hacker? Oh guy. yeah, like the black nerd. Yeah, right, right. like uh, it was. It was very interesting. It was like, and and if you look at this movie mm-hmm. and you you just kind of like see the elements that are in this movie, mm-hmm. you can follow those strains into films for for like years and years to come. Yeah, there's so many elements that are reused in other movies all the way down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, my the one big thing, and this isn't like a a great revelation about this movie. But the thing that I've always loved about Die Hard is that it's paced really well. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's, like I said, that's something that's not like it's a daring, like, oh, hey, I've got a revelation. Like, people know, like, it's paced really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, the other movie that John McTiernan did, uh, Predator, okay. I think is paced really well yeah. uh, also. So I think that, like, the directors... Like the original Predator? Yeah. Like, get to yeah. the chopper! Yeah, yeah, they're made by the same director. Okay, so, all right. Um, the the level of violence mm-hmm. in those movies, um, like the overt like sight of violence and blood, yeah, uh, I think is consistent. Yeah. So um, yeah, but I, I think that there aren't any spots in Die Hard where I get bored. No, and that's really saying something. How many? If you had to guess, how many times do you think you've seen Die Hard? Well, I'm not really sure. Um, I would say probably about seven or eight years ago, I I started to make it a yearly thing where mm-hmm. I would watch it. No matter what, I would watch it every Christmas. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like my Christmas movie. Like some people watch A Christmas Story or, yeah. or you know, Miracle on 34th, 34th Street, 34th Street yeah. whatever. Um, I'm not into those movies. I'm not really into Christmas, but I'm into Die Hard. <laughs> so I, I probably would watch it every couple of months okay. before then. I would say I've probably seen it 20 or 30 times. Okay. So not like hundreds of times. I, Nothing n- crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I don't know how you could really watch a movie that many times. Like I know there are people that like have watched movies that many times. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of times they just put a movie on. Right. And then. I did that today with The Princess Diaries while I cleaned the <laughs> living room. <laughs> yeah. So, but I've seen it. I've seen it enough times where. You know, there's certain parts of the movie where I can just recite mm-hmm. um, verbatim. Um, you know, I, I know every like beat of that movie. That's how I am with Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some lines I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's some phrases that if people start them, like my brain will auto complete them with like a line from Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Like if someone goes life and there's a brief pause, I just go finds a way. Like in my <laughs> brain, you know. <laughs> um, just like if someone says the best part. Of waking up as Folgers in your cup. Like that, my brain auto-completes it. So I totally get that. Well, let's... Okay, so John McClane, Bruce Willis, amazing character, amazing actor. Um, Sergeant Powell, Reginald Vell Johnson, Mm -hmm. fantastic character, really great, fun character actor. Let's talk about really what I think is the center of this wonderful jelly-filled donut that is uh, Die Hard, who, which is Deputy Alan... director Dwayne T. Robinson? Oh, the, yeah, the, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. No, Alan Rickman, Hans Gruber, <laughs> right, Hans right. Gruber. Um, 
So let me just let me just tell you a little bit about my relationship with Alan Rickman. Yeah. Now, when I say my relationship with Alan Rickman, this is all a made up relationship in my head. <laughs> but um, uh, he and I, throughout my life and his life, and even after his passing, we've we've uh, in my imagination uh, we've been pals. Right. Uh, I find his voice to be the most sultry and sexy. Uh, tone that has ever existed in the universe. Yeah. Um, maybe a close second to your own. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I ain't got shit on Alan Rickman. It's true. I, it's true. I, <laughs> let's, um, let's let's not. You know, don't like, don't spare my feelings. I don't have shit. One time, on uh, Alan a friend of mine uh, put me on speakerphone. I called, and she had a bunch of people over, and um, she put me on speakerphone. I didn't know it, mm-hmm. uh, and she goes. Um, uh, Rachel, why, why don't you repeat that thing you told me about Alan Rickman's voice? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you were describing Alan Rickman's voice and how it made you feel. And I was like, oh, his voice is like cocoa butter. And I just want to stay at home and rub it all over my body. Like, <laughs> I love Alan Rickman's voice. Like, I want to like, I want to like sink up into my neck into a, like a tub of Alan Rickman's voice. Like it just, it, it, it does mm-hmm. something like, it just gets me going. Like it's so sexy. Um, and so <laughs> like when I was a kid, I, the first thing I ever saw him in was, um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh-huh. the very, very, he was the sheriff of Nottingham. He was the sheriff of Nottingham. And mm-hmm. like, I've always kind of had a thing for the bad guy in movies, but that really solidified it yeah. because even though, I was probably seven or eight years old. Like, despite years of tomboyish behavior and dress, I knew that I was a straight woman since that time because <laughs> listening to Alan Rickman's voice just really would just like got my engine going. I was like, oh my God, like I'm a voice girl. So, anyway, um, you know, then I saw him actually in Love Actually, which right. is a good tie in. He's in Love Actually. Yeah, that, that was an interesting little thing that yeah. I, it hadn't occurred to me. And, um, yeah. Anyways, we'll get to that. Yeah, you continue. but then, but Carry then when, on. when he was cast as Severus Snape in the Harry Potter movies, mwah, like that was the best thing. Mm-hmm. That was the best gift that could have been given to me. As uh, I think the first Harry Potter movie came out when I was a uh, senior in high school. Tells yeah. you how old I am. Uh, and and uh, uh, for he's, people watching us on video, I'm yeah. not ignoring Rachel. I'm simply looking up the name of a movie. Yeah. That he was in. That um, all of you should watch if you get the opportunity to. He, I cannot remember the name he's, of it. He's an amazing actor. Like, he's been in a lot, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it was that that year that he passed away, I think we lost David Bowie earlier that year, which is also someone who, like, a pop culture, as, you know, as a, as a young kid who saw The Labyrinth and then kind of fell in love with his music and then as kind of an angry adolescent around mm-hmm. the time where he um, uh, made, you know, I'm Afraid of Americans. Uh, I just, I've always really loved David Bowie as well. And so uh, we lost David Bowie. We lost Alan Rickman. We lost Prince later that year. It was a rough year. I think it was like 2016. It was a rough year Mm -hmm. um but i still like whenever i watch a movie that has alan rickman in it um i still get like a little like you know a little like a little sad a little whimsical you know it's the same thing that happens to me when i see um oh i forget which one with the batman movie that had heath ledger in it Mm -hmm. and you see his performance as the joker the dark knight Knight, yeah and you just can't be like oh man that sucks yeah he's like he had so many more years of great great acting ahead of him yeah and i'm not saying that alan rickman had so many years of great acting ahead of him necessarily. He's probably, you know, getting into his sixties and wanting to retire. But like, I just really feel like the, he, the world really lost a gem. The in interesting him. thing about Alan Rickman is that he started acting 
really like in, in an older age. I think he was in his forties when he started acting. Mm. Um, and I believe, don't quote me, I'm no expert, but I believe Die Hard was his first film. Okay. Um, oh wow, really? Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, like that's a way that to, kind of typecast him as like a villain. I think I know he's in a few like of the I, very. I think that that was something he struggled with too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know he was in a couple. I think he was in a couple of like the more like kind of foppish British period yeah. movies. Um, but, oh, oh, he was in uh, another movie that I really loved him in was Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And he played sort of like the reluctant, like I mean, the, he's in Dogma. He was in Dogma. Yeah. But in Ga- Galaxy Quest, that character's so funny because he's like, you know, that classically trained British actor that finds himself making, you know, a lot of money on a sci-fi TV series if, and then like resenting it totally. Yeah. If you guys want to see a good Alan Rickman film that not a lot of people uh, are aware of, and when I say a good Alan Rickman film, I mean a good performance from Alan Rickman, like classic Alan Rickman. Uh, there's a movie called Closetland. Closetland? Yeah. Never heard of it. You need to see that. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You can look it up yourself. Mm-hmm. But, but that's a movie from like 91 um, that is definitely a must-see for anybody that's an Alan Rickman fan. Okay. So. Great. Well, we probably have like, I think there's probably a couple generations of Alan Rickman fans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the people who are older than us that were adults or older teenagers when Die Hard came out, mm-hmm. right? And then they probably, if they were Alan Rickman fans, you know, followed his career through Robin Hood and some of the other like less well-known movies. Right. Um, then there are people our age that maybe like Die Hard, Robin Hood, and then like kind of the Harry Potter Alan Rickman, Dogma Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest Alan Rickman. And then there's people younger than us. Uh, like I'm, I'm like an elderly millennial. So there's like younger millennials and probably the generation behind them that know him only from the Harry Potter movies. So really you've got decades of great Alan Rickman that we should all be consuming. Um, So anyway, Die Hard, loved it again the second time. There are things that I noticed this time that I didn't notice last time um, that made me appreciate even more. And like, yeah, it's a cool Christmas movie, but it's a great action movie and it's just a really, really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, the only criticism I have for Die Hard, and if anybody else has this experience too, um, please share it with me. I don't know if this is any different in like Blu-ray editions of the movie or what, but um, there's a thing that I've started to notice with older movies, like movies from the 80s and before, especially action films. And I don't know if, if like I just don't have things set up properly, but um, I don't think that's the case. Um, the sound is just so like wacky. Yeah. And what I mean by that is a lot of these older movies and like, we just got a new TV. I don't have anything hooked up to it. We watched it off of Amazon, um, because I have it on DVD, but we don't have a DVD player currently. Um, so we watched it on Amazon and by the way, worth the four bucks. Like if you have four bucks and you have the option of like, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get a coffee that I'm just going to piss out in a couple hours anyway, <laughs> or you could rent Die Hard, rent fucking Die Hard. Right. Starbucks coffee is not that good. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So um, the sound is weird. Like dialogue is always really quiet. Mm-hmm. And then explosions, gunshots, loud banging noises are like blow your ears out loud. Yeah. It must have been something with the version that they have available for rent. Because I feel like um, when you would watch like Saturday matinees on TV as a kid mm-hmm. or whenever you see like a TV, like a, a, a theatrical production uh-huh. that's put on TV, uh, that happens a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, it is the way they recorded sound. Yeah. So anyways, it's just it's a weird thing that I've noticed. And Die Hard isn't the only one that does it. Um, it's It seems to be a lot of like mostly older action films. So somebody out there that's smarter than me will probably know why that's a thing. Just tell us in the comments. Not smarter, more informed. 
Schmeider. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's talk more about um, Alan Rickman films. Um, Love Actually being another yeah, one. Yeah, can we? All right. Yeah, so, are we so, ready for that? Yeah, before you take a di- giant steaming shit on this movie, let me just put a little bit, like, let me just defend it just a tiny, tiny bit. Okay. Yep, yep. All right. So, uh, the first time I saw this movie, I rented it on DVD. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was, I won't get into the details, but. I was at uh, it was Christmas time, Christmas yep. time of year. I was working. Uh, I was I was in univers. I was at college, and I was on Christmas break, and I was working part time at a movie theater. And um, long story short, my mom worked nights, and I wasn't able to go be around any other family. So my mom was working on Christmas, and um, I lived in the city that my university was located in. So all of my friends went home for Christmas Mm -hmm. and I was like in the city by myself and I was probably like 19. I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. I was like, oh, it's been Christmas by myself. Mm Fucking sucks. So I decided that I was going to get a bunch of junk food and rent some movies from Blockbuster Video. I'm fucking old. So (laughs) I got some DVDs. I even just called them videos. When was the last time you watched a video? I can't remember. But I went to Blockbuster and I got three DVDs. Mm -hmm. Um, The Pianist. Okay. Uh, I can't remember. uh, Another movie about World War II and the Holocaust. I can't remember what it was. And to balance things out, it wasn't Schindler's List, but it was something else like... From a oh oh no 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 you know what it was it wasn't it, was, it wasn't the Holocaust I wrote I rented the pianist mm-hmm. Angela's Ashes I don't even know what that is but it sounds terrifying it's um, Angela's Ashes is a um, an auto, it's the movie was made based off of an autobiography of like a, a guy an Irish guy who lived in I think Limerick um, in the the years before like only sad tales World War Two oh yeah it was so sad <laughs> it's like the saddest movie ever it's about like the struggle of being like a young Irish person who's like starving and then eventually goes to America, but it's not a happy movie. No. Like children die in the movie of like natural causes because poverty is a thing, right? Rickets. Ricket. It's something, right? Um, the flu. Uh, so the pianist, which yeah, is like a like... tragic tale, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Angela's fucking ashes. And then I was like, well, I probably need something happy to watch because I'm sad, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, oh, love, actually, oh, this has got Alan Rickman in it. I, I would have probably chosen a movie that that uh, Rachel had never heard of called the burbs yeah oh that was another thing like uh okay so just a quick aside there's a character actor who's in die hard and Nate's like oh do you think he's gonna go hang out with tom hanks now and i'm like i don't know what you're talking <laughs> she didn't about get the joke so i don't i don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head but real quick there, it, it, there's a scene where the fbi is having the electric company shut off the grid for nakatomi plaza and the guy uh, that's in the the tunnel who's on the phone with like the power company he um, plays a character in the Burbs, and I made like a little off-color like yeah. Burbs joke. And this happens at least twice a week where Nate's like making what he thinks is a clever cultural reference and being like, eh, eh, and I'm like, I have no idea and what the fuck you're talking She's about. Like, like yeah, I've not seen that movie. Step up your game. I, yeah. I, yeah. So I made a Burbs joke, and uh, he's like, okay, but then he did this. He's like, he's like. You haven't seen the burbs? You haven't seen the burbs? I can't believe you haven't seen the burbs. And I was like, <laughs> like first of all, I was three when that movie came out. Second of all, between Excuses. between nineteen eighty seven or eight or whenever it came out, and now I've had shit to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't seen the burbs. No, that's but anyway, okay. but now you will. So but now I will. Now, yeah, now I'm just I'm just delaying the inevitable here. Yeah, I'm I really know. kind of just I I feel like. I can There's feel, anticipation. No, I can tell. I can tell your 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 butts puckering, waiting to take a dump so on this movie. Let's talk about a little bit more about so, your history. So, 
So anyway, I'm saying, uh, like, I'm a bit of a morose person. I also really am interested in world history and World War II and Holocaust history. So that's why I rented two very, very sad movies. And then I was just like, let's bounce it out and watch Love Actually. So I watched The Pianist and I cried. And then remember, this was like either Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. And I was all by myself. I had no family. I'm mm-hmm. already very emotional. I'm feeling very sorry for myself. I'm in my own head. I'm like, woe is me. No one to hang out with on Christmas. And then I pop in Love Actually. Okay. 19-year-old girl mm-hmm. watching Love Actually by herself a couple of days before the holidays when she's already emotional. That movie wrecked me. I mm-hmm. cried beginning to end. I was just like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> and then like, as I remember it from that experience, I was like, this is the best Christmas movie ever. And I was like, this movie is great. And then I like forced my mom to watch it the next day when she was, or like the next time she was off of work. And she's like, okay, yeah, this is fine. It has like, <laughs> she's like, it has like every British actor. Like yeah. she was not impressed, but then, okay. So I was just like, yeah, love actually is great. And then I saw it a couple years later and I'm like, oh, oh, this is not a, this is not a good movie. Yeah. And then that's why the reasons why when you said love actually, I guess I was like, you've chosen poorly. Yeah, I definitely felt like. So um, let's set this up. You work nights. Yeah. It took us three tries, three tries for him to stay awake through this movie. Part of it was from exhaustion, but I think part of it was because you're like, this is so bad. I have no reason to be invested in this. Yeah. And I'd rather sleep than watch this terrible movie. Like. Sometimes I'll watch movies I really enjoy and I'll just be tired and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of like doze off a little bit. But like this movie on two separate occasions, there was like something in the back of my head, like mm-hmm. some entity and mm-hmm. his name is sleep. And he was just like pulling me. Right. And I'm just I'm just like, <laughs> I can't I can't do it. So let's get into a little bit about Love Actually. So you said it's got every British actor known to man. Just about every British actor from the time. Yeah. yeah. Kira Knightley, Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson's, uh, Andrew Lincoln, <laughs> Emma Thompson, Neeson. Colin Firth, Bill Knight, Bill Nighy. Nighy, Nighy? Yeah. I, I, I know who he is. I'm just not familiar with how to pronounce his name. Uh, the kid that is in... Um, uh, Game of Thrones. I, I Thomas Brody something. Whoa, whoa. Oh I, yeah, who this, plays? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who looks? I, he's he he's creepy. He's like off putting. Um, just because he's like, he looks like a very small adult. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He was like, he, he, the character he was playing was very mm-hmm. mature. Yeah. And it was a little too precocious, and it was a little off putting. Yeah. yeah. Alan Rickman, uh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, Laura Linney. Not um, British, but she's in a lot of British stuff. Yeah. Um, and then just like uh, Martin Freeman's in it. Yeah, that was before Martin Freeman was like uber famous. And I think he was just doing The Office at that point, right? Like he was famous in the UK, but maybe Denise not Denise Richards, here. isn't it? Who was she in that movie? Denise, let me see. Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Denise oh, Richards. she's like the one of the really um, sexy girls. Shannon Elizabeth is in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it, so it's, it's one of these movies. It's like... Um, they they get like every possible big name actor in it and you go how did they get so many people and i don't know that this is the case with this movie but there's a lot of movies where the like producers or directors or like people that are involved with them are just 
like they're they like nonstop harass people and they <laughs> they like use someone else's name to like get somebody else in it and i feel like this has to be kind of a similar situation um there's a movie i think it's called uh movie 34 yeah you yeah, remember you telling me about it yeah, yeah i've not with, seen with it but the, i know about it but yeah it's it's anyways it's a terrible movie but yeah. it's like it, to me it kind of like felt like one of those movies where mm-hmm. they had different actors who had like super different schedules and mm-hmm. they just kind of like shot a bunch of things yeah. So, so it's like it's like probably if you've never if you've never seen Love Actually, uh, it's it's like 12 different stories happening in one movie and they're all kind of intertwined mm-hmm. because like this character might the character in story A might be the brother of the character in story yeah, G. Yeah. And then like they're everything's kind of tied up nicely at the end and how mm-hmm. everyone is sort of interrelated. Right. So I don't know how to be articulate about how I feel about this movie. Just, because just go for it, boo. Just do your My best. feelings are very visceral. I kept thinking to myself, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I thought Rachel was into science. <laughs> I thought she was. And I'm I have to second guess that because there's not a single bit of chemistry in this entire movie. There's, oh, are you being clever? Yeah, yeah, I was oh. being clever. Um yeah, because like so this movie is about love. True. Actually. And uh, yeah. And uh, there's not like a single example in this movie that I could find where I felt any of the actors that were working together had any chemistry whatsoever. Mm. Like watching these people act together. Mm -hmm. It was like watching aliens try to act out what they thought love was like. (laughs) Like just the the. Every interaction left me going, do those people, have they met before? Like, (laughs) these were the best possible actors. Best actors on the planet. In in their worst roles. Okay. Like, they are so poorly acted. Yeah. And and I, I can't blame the actors. No. I have to blame the directors and I have to blame the writers. Because, yeah. number one, the story is fucking trite. Yo, for it sure. Is, it is. is. It's very saccharine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is absolutely mm-hmm. not a good story. And one thing I didn't realize until I saw this, and I don't even know if this is true, but like, it, it seems like when, when I think Christmas movie or I think Christmas time in the US, I think a lot of commercialism, right? It's a lot about buying presents yeah. and giving gifts and like the whole like commercial aspect of it. And maybe this is a, you know, but maybe this is an artifact of being um, an American, but I, I think. Christmas is very still heavily associated with religion here. Uh, It's not always, but I think for the most part, when you think Christmas, you think about miracles and the baby Jesus and like things Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, going to midnight mass and, you know, even though not everybody celebrates it like a religious holiday and people are very, very secular about it, there's still like, I'd say a good chunk of the population that view this really as a religious holiday. And the sense I got from watching this movie, knowing nothing about um, really the UK or the culture around religion, other than like, you know, they have their own church now because Henry VIII wanted to get a divorce, right? No, no, and because like World War II fucked him over, and like, why would you be after that point, right? Like, it's hard to believe in God when you know your country's been destroyed by Nazis. I get it, but I really got the sense after watching this movie that 
like Christmas is a weird thing. Like it's made Christmas seem like our Valentine's day. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's like, Oh, it's Christmas. So you always tell the truth and you spend it with the people you love. And I'm like, really, is that what Christmas is about? It's like the Japanese. You always eat KFC. Yeah, exactly. Like it's (laughs) just like, yeah. So it's like, what is nothing to do with like religion at all. Not that Christmas necessarily does here, but it was like, there's probably not a lot of like keep Christ and Christmas going on. And no, probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a holiday here for that and it's called Valentine's day and it's mm. completely made up and we all buy into it because bitches love chocolate. <laughs> so let's be, let's be real. <laughs> I love chocolate. I'm not saying you have to buy me chocolate on February 14th every year, but like, if you want to, I'm not going to be mad at you. <laughs> so, well, I have to thank you. Um, and I have to thank you because sometimes we get movie fans, cinema files. We we get jaded, and we think we've seen it all. We've seen every <laughs> every bad movie, but sometimes we lose sight of the fact that sometimes giant movie uh, companies, movie mm-hmm. you know production companies, spend an exorbitant amount of money mm-hmm. to make really shitty, terribly made movies, and they launch them to the public. But let me. Okay, let me just challenge this. I don't n- know the specifics or the history, mm-hmm. but I feel like when this movie came out, it was kind of popular and it did really well. Oh yeah, and I'm I sure think, it did. I think people liked it, but I think the the speed with which it didn't hold up, yeah, was very quick. So so love actually mm-hmm. he, here's here's what's really disheartening to me. Mm-hmm. Love actually has a seven point six on IMDb, sixty three percent Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and 80, 87% of Google users like this movie. I mean, I don't hate it. I, I like no, it. I'll no. watch it. Uh, and, it's, and it's sweet. It's, I, it's easy. You right. don't have to put a lot of thought into it. I, I want to go on record here and now as saying, I love you. <laughs> and I've watched this movie because I love you. Yeah. But every single actor I saw in this movie my respect level for them dropped. No, even it, Alan Rickman, even, especially Alan Rickman. Aww. This is this is the worst effort I've ever seen from Alan Rickman. He did. Like, Alan Rickman gives the impression that someone was like, "I'm going to write you a big check because your name is Alan Rickman." Would you just sort of lazily appear in this film and make no effort to act? And he was like, "I'm Alan Rickman, of course." And he just <laughs> fucking rolled in and, and like. There's this whole like story about him, like these are strong statements. Yeah, I'm I'm making them. Okay, I'm, I make right. them. I am unapologetic. Okay. This this is. I'm glad you brought it to the table, mm-hmm. and maybe this is the first time in the history of this podcast, in the very short history of this podcast, where I'm I am taking a stand. Okay, and I am making a statement. Okay, and that statement is. This movie is shit. It is shit on on a number of levels. It is fucking abominable. Yeah. It is terrible. But anyways, there's this whole like sub um, story about like Alan Rickman. Um, he's uh, he's married, and there's like some. A uh, girl that works at his company, his secretary. I think he works in in the news. I think he was like, yeah, like, like some journalist. Yeah, you yeah, don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a vaguely. It's, it's an office it's where a media people work. Company, right, yeah. right. Um, th- no more effort than that. Needs also, to be. let me interrupt you really yeah. quickly. I feel like all of the people depicted in this movie are like 
the richest people who live yeah, in yeah, London. Because yeah, yeah. there's, I've I've been to London one time, mm-hmm. but I've I've consumed some some British things, mm-hmm. and I'm relatively. It's a fucking expensive place to live, and I'm like, I feel like the characters depicted in this movie were like all of the richest people who could no, have lived yeah, there. This is like it's the, unrealistic. This is the Caucasian approximation of the fantasy world we all think that white people live in. This yeah. is this is the worst. Yeah, this movie is fucking the worst. Yeah. Anyways, I want to explain deeper. So um, there's a young lady that works in the office. I believe it's a secretary of some sort mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. she sits behind a desk and doesn't seem to have any like real important task. Mm-hmm. Um, we and, call them administrative assistants yeah, now. Sorry. Um, so uh, like he, he's talking about like going to go get like Christmas presents for his wife. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you going to get me something? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what am I supposed like, like, he yeah. does the Alan Rickman thing. He's like, I don't, I, he does what we do. And we're like, well, why would he get you anything? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently she has like this crush on him. Mm-hmm. And so he just apropos of nothing. Like there's no issue in his personal life with his wife. Right. He's just like, oh, I'm going to like talk to her on the phone. And then, for whatever reason, get her a gift. And yeah. then there's this whole ridiculous. Like a 400 pound gold necklace. Yeah, not 400 pounds, but like. Very expensive, four hundred British Pounds, monies, which I'm pretty sure is about eight hundred U.S. dollars. We just call them British monies. You, I'm kidding. you did. I'm kidding. I did. You did. I know. I, know. I, I did said, not call we, them British can monies. Can we? Can we just call we, them? We can just call them. Okay. I think currency. Yeah, makes British sound, British currencies. British currencies. Yeah, four hundred quid. Uh, maybe is that, is that the right word? I don't know. I've never been there. I'm not. Um, I'm not anyways, one of them. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. It was an expensive ass necklace, apropos <laughs> of nothing. And then he's like, he's like talking. He goes to the store, and there's this like just ridiculous scene with Mr. Bean. Yeah. Where he's like, let me put it in the bag for you. And, and it's very much like British humor. It's so dumb. But the thing is, is like it's not good British no. humor. Um, but I feel like yeah, the character development of Alan Rickman, he's set up to be like. Sort of this like disdainful, sort of like very sarcastic guy. Mm-hmm. There's something snotty about the way he was playing right. this character. Well, that's because he read the script. <laughs> and he was like, what And he was I- like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. Um, and and so uh, uh, anyways, the movie progresses and apparently he buys uh, this young lady a necklace mm-hmm. and um, leaves it in his coat pocket. And then his wife, for whatever reason, goes through his coat. She's like snooping because she thinks right. he probably bought her something. Right. Um, finds this necklace and then puts it back in his jacket. And um, I think he ends up buying his wife like a Joan Baez CD or something. Joni like Mitchell it. CD. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, anyway, some some kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so his wife expecting the necklace, um, she like ascertains that uh, he must have been cheating on her. Yeah. And the reason, and you might've been dozing at this point, but they kind of set it up for that earlier, like the holiday Christmas party. Mm-hmm. She kind of sees that woman flirting with him a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh, and I just may not have been able to perceive. Yeah. So, she, so, so she, she's flirting. Yeah. So she's watching, <laughs> she's watching them <laughs> and he sees her flirting with him and she sees her husband being kind of receptive to that flirting. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like, mm, okay, I don't like, I don't like what's Sorry. happening here. I don't like this. And then when she doesn't get the necklace, she puts two and two together or she makes a, I think, I think she makes the appropriate leap of assumption or, you know, leap in logic like, oh, uh, he didn't give me this. Like, we're buying each other one gift for Christmas and this is not a gold necklace. This is a CD. That gold necklace was not for me. And then she like holds it together and is like mom, like the super mom, and then approaches him about it later. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's like, oh, you're like, we're we're done or whatever. Like, like we're going to get a divorce. And I, 
I want to be totally frank. That's here. not what she said. Like that's, but that's basically. No, no, no. She was like, she was like. So the question is, is like, you know, do I stay, always knowing that things would be a little bit worse, or do I cut and run? That's what her question was. And she ends up staying. Like you find out later that you know they're trying to. You you assume yeah, they right, try to work it out. Yeah. But like, I think the most problematic thing about that piece of the story is that, like. Alan Rickman's relationship with his wife up mm-hmm. to that point seemed really good. Right. And not to say that in real life, there can't be men that are just like very, maybe, you know, flattered by the attention of a younger woman and you could fall into that trap easily. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that he like was completely oblivious to this secretary having a crush on him and then went and spent 400 pounds on a gold necklace to cheat, to but, cheat on his wife. But also didn't it, seem even remotely enthusiastic about her. No. Yeah, it wasn't like he wasn't like lusting after her. Mm -mm. There wasn't that that that, and that's the thing. This this continues throughout the entire movie. Right. It's just there wasn't enough like story. Yeah, there wasn't enough setup or explanation. Every story has these people who are going through the motions of like, I'm in love with you, or like I have this crush on you, or I have this unrequited desire for you, but they they don't there's no emotional resonance. And there's no, so there's another little side story here where there are two characters that are either like they're, they're extras in a porn or I don't know what, but like, (laughs) I think they're just stand-ins for a movie. I don't know. They're like actors filming fuck scenes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just to be totally frank. And, um, they're, they're sort of going through the physical motions and having like a conversation that's not like appropriate for the act that they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're just like, like talking hey, about the weather yeah, and the traffic. Like, oh, yeah, and... it was really hell. I was caught on the, the 305 mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Hey, by the way, are you doing anything on Saturday? Do you want to like maybe get a drink? And meanwhile, they're like pantomiming fuck motions. Yeah, which I think is supposed to be funny. Right, but that to <laughs> me is the entire movie. Okay. That is, that is, that, that is the entire movie. <laughs> it's people pantomiming fuck scenes and having conversations that don't make any sense within the context. There's no, even, even like, uh, uh, Liam Nielsen's Liam whole, Neeson's. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Liam doing that on Neeson's? purpose. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing that on purpose. I, I know his name is Liam Neeson. Um, but, uh, so like even him and the kid mm-hmm. that's supposed to be like his child. Yeah. His stepson. There is no, they're like, they have no, um, no chemistry to indicate. It's like, Two dudes got together to talk about like coffee during break at a job. There's no, there's, I get no impression that they loved the same person who died. Okay. Like it's just, this is not there. Mm -hmm. I just didn't, didn't sense it at all. And I was like, this movie is just so, I don't know if that's a directing thing or if the actors were like, fuck it. It's an easy paycheck. Let's get in and get out. I don't know. I feel like there's something lost in translation over time, right? It's not a, it's not a recent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably like a, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not that we're not getting it because it's British humor. No, no. That, get, was, that was the other thing too. Yeah. It's like, it's like listed as a comedy and I, I didn't find anything about it even remotely funny. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't have anything to offer you. I, I still like it. It's. No, I, I still no, think absolutely. it's like, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know. I make no judgments. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's sweet. I make no judgment. No, it's saccharine. It's yeah. not sweet. Sweet indicates heart. 
Okay. It's saccharin. It's like it's like sugar added to your coffee simply so your coffee is sweet, not to enhance the flavor. Having said that, that's a shitty thing for me to say. I'm not judging you for liking it. No, no, no. So, so you're saying like uh, it is the worst movie we've ever watched together. It is. It is by far the worst. It's the worst movie I've seen in in the last year. We'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, I it, buy it. It, is, I buy it, it. it is probably one of the worst movies I've seen like with this many mainstream actors in it. I have to say, it's really hard too because Die Hard is so good in so <laughs> many ways. It's just overall. Oh. Take away the theme, Sorry. take away the Christmasness, take it away that one's a romantic comedy and one is an action movie. You know, if you if you control for all of those factors, mm-hmm. Die Hard is just a superior movie in yeah. every way. Well, and I, I think um, I'm like I was trying to say earlier, I'm I'm glad that I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you showed it to me, mm-hmm. and and maybe the reasons why I'm glad I've seen it are are not the best reasons, mm-hmm. but. Every once in a while, you sit down and you see a movie that's like so bad, mm-hmm. it puts other movies that you've called bad into perspective. <laughs> and you go, oh, maybe those movies weren't as bad. Like, sometimes you got to Okay, gotta what's really... a movie that you think is better than you originally thought? Because Love <laughs> Actually was so that's, bad. That's, that's a slippery slope. It's I don't, like, I don't know. I'd have, like, have to think about that long and hard. But like, for instance, you know, people, you know, you see a movie and it's got some little issues like that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie, but like, I feel like this movie hits every beat mm-hmm. for being a bad movie. Okay. It's got too many actors. It's way too long. Right. Too many stories that are convoluted and don't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's poorly acted. Mm-hmm. It has poor direction. The music is bad because it's constantly playing. Like, do you know how, like, when you watch a movie and there's, like, a, a montage yeah. and they'll, like, play music or they'll play, like, transition music to, like, enhance the mood? Mm-hmm. Like, the first, like, 20 minutes to half an hour of this movie, it's just, like, different tracks, like, playing in, in this sort of disjointed way. And you're like, what is what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are we transitioning to some scene? And well, they're doing that a lot because they are transitioning right. a but lot. There's so many different scenes. Mm-hmm. If they had If they had cut it down to three... Yeah. Right. If they had done like three stories that sort of interconnected and focused on developing those stories, mm-hmm. they could have had something that was coherent. Okay. Question for you, though. Yeah. Let, I think there is one positive point in this movie um, uh, that we can take out of this. How much did you like Billy Bob Thornton as the U.S. president? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, why is the United States president depicted in this movie? Oh, because Hugh Grant plays the prime minister and they had to have like one scene in there where it was just like, fuck you, America. I get it. Fuck you, America. But it's it's like like, it's like Bill Clinton and George Bush. Like like they portray the United States as if it were like some sort of sleazeball harasser. Yeah, they were really playing up on the stereotype of like American girls all being like really ridiculously hot and horny and very, very loose. I can't, I could go on for days. And that's that's like, for those of you who aren't, yeah. For those of you who aren't from America, um, Nate, is it like, can you walk into any bar in America and just like, there's three girls who want to have sex with you immediately? Totally. Okay. Well, maybe you, no, no, absolutely. No, no, no. There's no, there's no bar in Wisconsin where they're like, if you go to a bar but in Wisconsin, but it's supposed to be funny. Like it's supposed to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's supposed, supposed to, to be, be funny, but you you have to know what like funny is. <laughs> 
in order to write funny, and this is not. I think what would have been funnier is if he showed up at that bar in Wisconsin, and it was all if women was, who look like they live in Wisconsin. I feel like if, if it was if he showed up at that bar, and it was like the bar from the um, Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Uh, if you're not familiar I don't with know what that, that is. so there's this family called the Whites, and they're from West Virginia, and they're all addicted. To hillbilly heroin. Okay, uh, and they're the best. Okay, they're just the best. Okay, um, like it's a lot of milk, babies milk galore. Mouth. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So go go check that out. It's a documentary. Oh, it's oh, it's real people. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, well, real. People. Let's not be yeah. disparaging of real people. No, we're not. That's okay. all. In, it's in the it's in the movie. Like they're they're a delightful bunch of people. Okay, they're the type of people that if you they're talk like, shit, they will stab you. They're real Americans, right? Yeah. Like if you were to go to a dive bar in the middle of Wisconsin, which is what he goes to. Yeah. In yeah. winter, you're not going to find girls in tube no. tops which you're gonna, and Ugg boots. Right. You're, you're gonna, gonna. What you're going to find is you're going to find townies yeah. that have been going to that bar. And they want to go in and, and they want to- punch your stupid British yeah, face. And they want to have like a bottle of beer and they don't want to talk to you. Right. No, it's- um, They're yeah. probably there with their husband, who's the largest man you've ever seen. Yeah. No, it's- yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you could it's definitely- It's their one night a week away from the kids. You could definitely go to a bar- um, in Wisconsin and find someone willing to go home with you. Um, but they are not going to be the women in this video. No. And also I feel like it, like you remember the, in Roseanne, there was the Lobo lounge, the, the bar that they went to. <laughs> yeah. And it like, I feel like, you know, like Jackie and Roseanne and the other women who worked at the, the plastic great, factory, great, yeah. you know, like they're going there after work, after, yeah. you know, a week to, you know, like blue collar working class women or going whatever. Like that's what that looked like the type of bar he walked into. And then he mm -hmm. fucking like these like horny girls, yeah, you know, that's not, <laughs> like, a, that's not a no. thing. It's like, that's not even a thing. That's like so off tempo of yeah. humor. It's, <laughs> it's like not. But it would have been funnier if he had walked into the Lobo Lounge right. and, and like he met Roseanne and Jackie and yeah. they wanted to go home with him. That would have been and hilarious. He, and he would have been like, oh, this is what America's like. But he not, still would have done it because he yeah, was so desperate. Because yeah. you flew to America to get laid, you dumb dumb. Yeah. Just buy a hooker. Ew. But like, you're going to buy, buy a plane ticket to go to Wisconsin? That's true. You're better That's off. That's like Jay and Silent Bob going to Shermer, Illinois. So that they can go to the abortion clinic <laughs> to pick up women because Aww. they know they'll put out. That bums me out. Right. That bums you yeah. out. But that's like, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's funny. Not, I'm British. I'm British. So I'll just go to Wisconsin to get laid. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then I actually find like the joke of, of Dogma, which mm -hmm. is the movie we were talking right, about right, with right. Alan Rickman. Yeah. The joke is there is no Shermer, Illinois. Right. And. They're so disgusting and desperate. They thought it would be a good idea to hang out in front of an abortion clinic. Yeah. Like that's the humor. Mm -hmm. Not I just, I went in an airplane and I landed and then sex happened. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. it's, it's unrealistic to say the it's least. It's not even, it's just, anyways, it's bad. Okay. So, so love actually, you wouldn't recommend it. Um, I would recommend it for anybody who's into, um, putting on really bad movies and, enjoying them in an ironic sense. So Nate does this thing when he's watching movies uh, that he doesn't like or that he's not invested in. <laughs> I don't and, like or, that I do this. Or TV shows. And I know where it comes from now. Yeah, I shouldn't do it. It's yeah. terrible. But he talks to the TV and the characters in the movie <laughs> and tries to have conversations with them like they're going to talk back. And I'm not talking about like, no, don't open at that door. Don't open the door, bitch. What are you doing? No. I'm more just like, it's like he's commenting and, You'll do it for maybe 10% of the movie. Mm -hmm. 
and where you get this from, I found out, is from your family, your mother specifically. Yeah. Who, we watched Deadpool 2, and she had a conversation with the characters in the movie throughout the whole, like, oh 90 God. minutes of the movie. And I was, like, I, I was, like, halfway through, and I'm, like, she does know that they can't hear her, right? <laughs> like, and I was, like, I was, like, is she expecting us to say something? Is she trying to talk to us? And, and she'll do and shit. She'll, yeah. She'll be, like. What's on the other side of that door? And yeah. I'm like, I'm watching the same fucking movie you're watching. But you don't do it that bad. But you you did no. it during Love Actually where you're like talking to the characters. And it's like, no, you dummy, this, this, this. Or like, oh, what's he thinking there? Or, blah, blah, blah. or like, is this? And I'm like, I don't know, Nathan. <laughs> I didn't write the movie. I didn't direct the movie. I think that I the am not Hugh Grant. I think that the difference is, uh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like mine is more like directed at the screen and less to you because like, I'm not holding you responsible. Right. Whereas hers is more like, Hey, what were they thinking when they did this? And you're like, I didn't write the fucking movie. Right. But no, it's not even that she asks questions to, she's not asking questions. She's like every other line in the movie that someone has, she has like a comment to make yeah, about does. it or like a question for them. Right. And I'm like, I'm like racking my brain through like the first, cause the first time we sat down and watched a movie with your mom, who I love luckily, your mom. Luckily my mom doesn't know what the internet is. Yeah, so. Well, I, I love your mom. I think she's adorable, but this was like such a, uh, like a cute quirk. But I feel like if I lived with her, it would drive me crazy. Oh, yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. <laughs> but it was like it was like every line that someone gave in the movie, she had like a comment to make, uh -huh. or like she was like, if they asked a question, she would respond to it. And so I'm like, Eileen, this movie, this is not. You're not the only person watching this movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so that's why I really like to watch Jeopardy with her. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's the yeah. that's, that's the, the appropriate thing, yeah. time to do yeah. that. Yeah, if your mother. Or any of your family members like to shout things out at the screen while you watch them. <laughs> I suggest watching game shows with them because then it's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, your mom is adorable. I love her. But that's just like one thing. I never realized that you did that until mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. mom did it. And mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, that Nate does that too yeah, sometimes. It's a bad habit. It's okay. It's all right. It's not it's, okay. It's cultural. It's a family thing. You yeah. pick it up from your family and then you do it. You know? Yeah. What are you going to do? It's like, I don't know, salting your watermelon. Some people do that. Some people don't. Usually it's a learned behavior, mm -hmm. um, which I used to always hate, but now kind of into salting my watermelon. I don't know that I've ever had that. I usually use vodka in mine. Oh, well, that is a completely <laughs> different experience and less wholesome. Well, so what do we got coming up next? I don't actually know. So I think a while back uh -huh. we had discussed some comics. I was going to read Maximum Carnage. Maximum Carnage. Which is yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, we're ooh, we're gonna we've heard lots of great things about the Spider Verse movie, so we'll probably go see that. Yeah, but, but yeah. I don't know if we'll talk about that in the podcast. Yeah, but, I mean, we might mention it. Um, but, but I've uh, heard it's amazing. Yeah, I've heard too. Um, we'll probably go see that um, into the Spider Verse. That's what it is. Um, we and then you have to. Oh, oh you you were gonna read Sandman. Yeah, which I might also reread because it's been a hot minute yeah. since I read it. Yeah, so maybe uh, we'll have you read Maximum Carnage for right. full effect. And okay, I'll, I'll read uh, one of the Sandman comics you have in your little box set there. Okay, because I've I've never read any of them. Um, Let me just read the first one. I, yeah, the collection. so so I I read I've read one issue of Sandman, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it has anything to do because it like basically takes place in like like old Arabia. Like I don't, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, don't so know. I don't think it's, I don't think it has anything to do with the stuff that you have at all. Okay. Um, we were planning on going to midwinter, but it turns out, um, financially, it's not a very viable thing. So that's not something that we're going to be doing. So mm -hmm. 
hopefully we'll um we'll make up for it in a in podcast land. yeah yeah well, we were, we were really looking forward to going but it's just you know happening too close to the holidays and we kind of blew our budget in austin doing the night in question which we had a lot of fun with but sometimes you know you got to be a responsible yeah, adult and make yeah. those hard choices. We, we we don't we don't actually work in the industry, so there's like not you know like yeah, we, it's not something. But Utility Muffin Labs will be there, I believe. Bob is going. Uh, yeah, I think Bob is still going. I think uh, that whole crew is going. So if you're planning on being um, at Midwinter uh, in January, mm-hmm. you know, check check it out. Um, see if you can meet yeah. up with them, give them a chat, do right. some role playing with them. Yep. Um, other than that, um, hopefully this is a great video and you had a wonderful experience, but right. bear with us because it's our first. And, yeah. and, and if you're wi- listening to this and you want to go watch it on YouTube, go for it. Yeah. Uh, if you just want to continue listening this way, that's fine too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are considering maybe starting a Patreon, yeah. uh, for like UML overall. And there may be some rewards that would be available to that related to this podcast. Um, Nate and I are brainstorming. So um, get with us on Twitter. And mm-hmm. if there are any like rewards that you'd like to see or that you think would be good ideas for Patreon, um, like let us know because yeah. we're, we're still brainstorming. Um, but I am really looking. This is the last podcast we'll do this year, right? Yeah, um, probably. I, I'm, I'm hoping I get the opportunity to edit the video, upload the video podcast and everything before the first of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's tentatively. So I'm not really sure when this is going to come out. Right. Um, the but the yeah, audio this, might come out before the video. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The the audio will probably be out right away. That's pretty low effort, um, low impact stuff. Okay. But yeah, the video, um, that takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, for anybody that's edited video, you, you'll know that. Um, also, you know, uh, like I said, it's our first video. So, you know, we're going to experiment with like lighting, framing, how we're going to record that. Right. But we just wanted to, you know, try it out, yeah. see how it works, you know, and yeah. hopefully get a little bit better as we go. You know? Absolutely. Oh, in the meantime, um, I did do a podcast with comedian Jackie Cation on her podcast, The Dork Forest. Uh, that'll be coming out sometime in early January. I'll be sure to uh, retweet the links to that on our Twitter at Hookie Podcast. Um, so be watching for that. Jackie is amazing. She's a really lovely person um, and she's a very funny comic. Uh, so if you're a comedy nerd, you probably already know about her. But if you don't, go check her out at JackieCation.com or like search for her stuff on YouTube. She's a very funny woman. Um, one of my favorite comedians um, right up there with, I think, like Maria Bamford mm. and, and other female comedians that I really, really enjoy. And just in general. Yeah. I, the fact that she's a woman, I don't care. Comedy's comedy and she's yeah. great at it. So yeah. I've never been on like a real podcast, so. You've, you have three podcasts. <laughs> I don't. That's not what I mean. And you have been on a real podcast. <laughs> have I? Uh, podcast by night. I'm. I don't. I don't mean any offense uh, to anybody that might. have You mean by someone a, who's real famous? Yeah, like like somebody who's established. Right. Like I've I've never been on a non-genre specific. So so I like, I definitely was like. I think I played it pretty cool mm-hmm. when I was there doing the podcast with her because she came to do com- comedy in Bloomington, Indiana, which Bloomington, Indiana apparently is a good comedy city. Um, there's a really good, I think it's the Attic, uh, is a really good um, comedy comedy place there. But uh, I was playing it pretty cool. But I was really fucking excited 
to be on her podcast. Yeah. And I've been listening to the Dork Forest for probably about five years. So I don't know if it's like the same level, but it was like as if like it was like if you reached out to Joe Rogan and was like, hey, can I be on your podcast? Yeah. And he was like, OK, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like I had a little bit of a moment where I had a. Uh, kind of a heart attack and my heart fell out of my butt and I was very excited. <laughs> so um, be, be listening for that and check out Jackie's other stuff. Cause she, the, the theme of that, her, that her podcast kind of inspired a, me a little bit in wanting to do this podcast. Cause she sits down every week with a different comedian um, or actor or friend, and they just kind of talk about whatever their dorkdom is. So whatever right. thing they're obsessed with. So I talked with her about martial arts, specifically Shotokan karate. And so uh, fun was had by all. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening, watching, whatever it is that you're doing, Mm -hmm. consuming. Um, Don't forget, go to uh, lukateco.com and use our code, uh, Hooky Podcast, and get 10% off your hot sauce or your your swag, your t-shirts. They just, like, posted the other day that they've got um, some pretty cool, like, men's flannels, actually. Mm -hmm. like really nice. And they had, like, little baby onesies, little onesies that had lukateco on them. I'm like, oh, it's so cute. And I was like, "Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cute. I don't know. Like, I was like, should I buy one for like your brother's kid? And I was like, eh, I'll think about it. Yeah. She's growing pretty quick. We might wait and see how big she gets. Also, um, got the opportunity to try some Death Wish coffee for the first time. Very good stuff. Yeah. Delicious. Um, they are not a sponsor, but, you know, they they wanted to. Yeah. I mean. I like coffee and I yeah. like hot sauce. Yeah. Another thing that we really like. <clears throat> Uh, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah. Dunkin', hey, where are you at, yeah, man? Yeah, what, what's up with that? Like, we probably don't have enough listeners to attract no, the attention there's like, to Dunkin' there's Donuts. No, there's like four of you. We know that. But look, um, Dunkin' Donuts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this opportunity before I wrap up this podcast to let you know, I've spent so much money on Dunkin' Donuts coffee that, um, and I am such an advocate oh. to, the, to the point where, like, I will get into verbal confrontations with people. I'm, I'm... I'm a jerk off. Like I'm a, I, let me rephrase that. I probably shouldn't use that term when being like, Hey, sponsor us. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm like a jerk. Like I'm, I'm pro Dunkin' Donuts in All every way. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like totally Dunkin' Donuts yeah. up and down. I think it's the best coffee. So yeah, I agree. I think um, it, so you should sponsor us. Yeah. I think whether you're getting it um, real time at a Dunkin' or if you're purchasing it from the store, like, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked at several coffee shops, both ones that you would have heard of and ones that you hadn't. Uh, I know a lot about coffee. I know what good coffee tastes like and I know what bad coffee tastes like. And I prefer, like, you know, best best coffee is something you grind yourself and it's been freshly ground before you brew it. Um, not always what you can get. Uh, and I think even Dunkin' Donuts pre-ground coffee is superior to most coffee. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, Dunkin' Donuts... Or whoever's in charge of such things, if you're listening. Um, and we we're would, sure that you are. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Like, this is clearly uh, the yeah. podcast for you. Um, yeah. So, like, we, just give me coffee. Yeah. We and don't. we'll just talk about yeah. you. Basically, we like Dunkin' Donuts yeah. coffee. I'm not saying, like, I'm trying to sell out, but basically I've already spent so much money and I have a podcast um, anyways, <laughs> thanks guys for listening. Yeah. Thanks watching. everyone. Um, thank as, you to John McClain. Thanks John McClain for being in the background here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and uh, Reginald Bill Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, you're you're a hero to us all. Oh, also the 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 principal from um, uh, the Breakfast Club is on the screen right now. Mm-hmm. And when he came on, I forgot that he was in this movie. And when he came on, I was like, "This asshole again!" <laughs> <laughs> and Nate like lost his shit. So anyway, all right. Well, as always, I'm Rachel. I'm Nathan. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, folks. This is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook at our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on YouTube at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.